Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. You are listening to Video Games to the Max. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Games to the Max. This is number 224, and I'm your host Sean Garman. Here with me, as always, Mr. Mark Morrison. Howdy. And back with us again, Mr. Jens Dietrich. Ahoy hoy. Well, guys, it's another week, and uh, another week where some states have already started to open. So, and Jens has already been dealing with it for a while. So. Oh. How are you? I've, most restaurants still seem, it seems to be a slow rollout, at least in the city. I don't know what the rest of the state is doing. I honestly have been so away from, I still haven't left the house. So I haven't taken any advantage of whatever reopenings there have been. Um, I'm sitting this out as long as I can. I like how Georgia opened up all the places that you think don't need to be open right now. And then every other state goes, yeah, we're doing the opposite. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, your Michigan governor is doing the exact opposite, right? She extended it to like May twenty eighth, fifteenth, fifteenth. Okay. So yeah, I think and... it's um Wisconsin because they had the that plant breakout or mm. whatever that extended it to like May twenty sixth or something, and then yeah, a lot of okay. places are fifteenth. Maybe I'm Mark's... just mixing up a couple of different news stories in my brain here. Mark's still doing. Mark's still dealing with the protesting people. Yeah, maybe it's in the you know the state house or whatever. You're dealing with, have you actually run into them? Oh, no. God, no. It's, they're all rednecks who live up on the Upper Peninsula. Okay. It's crazy. Like, they're all showing up there with their guns and stuff, and you're like, what the hell? Because the guns just... are the only way you can fight a virus. Yeah. That those that virus don't give two craps about those guns, folks. Y'all keep going with that. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll have a, we have a few more things that are obviously being affected by this... Uh, this virus, which is, uh, I guess, I guess we can start with the, with the news this time. So it's, uh, Evo and, and Dota 2 International and the Fortnite World Cup have all been canceled due to, uh, COVID-19 concerns. I think Evo's actually having a digital event instead. And yeah, everything else is just kind of being canceled and Dota International is most likely going to now happen in 2021 instead. Yep. 
I mean, not surprising, really. But hey, you know. You you'll disagree when I say this, but the uh one the one silver lining to this whole thing, if it lasts long enough, is that football might get canceled this year. <laughs> it's not. It'll happen without people in the stands. They've already said it. I think there's some soccer, some soccer team or some football club in the UK who's thinking about adding like a CGI crowd to the stands. Wow, people that. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really hoping they use the technology from Forza Motorsport Five, the like the <laughs> that first Xbox One game because it had such bad crowds that like they just had like the same four people pop like copy and paste it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> That would be nuts, but I guess if that helps them, like, okay, I guess be able to play better, whatever. It's the same guy with the red red t-shirt and the hat. I guess he's here 800 million times. <laughs> no, no, this is not a political podcast. Oh, no, no, it's not political. We're just, we're just saying. Yeah, I, I, did, I said red shirt and white hat. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> no, definitely, I, I think, um. They've already, I think, delayed the season. It's not going to start in September. Now it's going to start in October. But I think they'll find a way. I just can't imagine when you have a chance to just... I know baseball didn't actually technically start either. But yeah. when you have that much time to think about it and you could much more simply just... You don't let anyone into the stadiums. Right. I think it's much easier to handle. But yeah. Uh, but hey, one thing that is happening, uh, and it was, uh, kind of, uh, it was announced today by Jeff Keighley, so we kind of found out what Jeff Keighley was really doing when he was saying no to E3, is mm-hmm. organizing this summer game fest, which, if successful, honestly, I think it could go on to really just put a absolute pin in E3. Uh, I instead mean, of, yeah, go ahead. No, no you, you talk about it first. Well, I was going to say, like, if they're still, ha- since Gamescom is supposedly the end of it, which I don't really know if you're going to have all these companies have things before then, what the heck are you showing at Gamescom? But uh, e- either way, so the uh, the major, the whole point is that instead of having one event stretched over about five or six days, you have it stretched over the entire summer period with at least one thing happening every week, if not multiple things happening every week from May until September? Or is it May until August? May until August. It's just a smart way of promoting these reveals that were probably just going to happen anyway, right? So this is good thinking on Jeff uh, Keeley's part of, okay, there's companies are going to have to do their reveals. They're going to do streams. Let's get everybody together and brand it and and promote them in as a, as kind of a series, right? Yeah, but I, I think what's also helpful here is you're not trying, everybody trying to crunch and cram to make a demo for one event for one day. Instead, you are you have a four-month timeline where you can already be pre-planning, okay, how far along are we? Do we think we'll make it by June? No, how about July? How about August? I mean, you have a four month period to be able to kind of right, it's flexible. Like just, just mosey along and, and then complete it when you can and then announce your event and then you have it, you know? Um, so I think this is much better. And yes, it is technically just promoting a bunch of things that probably would have been a lot of it at E3 or just all done at Gamescom or whatever. But 
this is also better for the news cycle as well. Everybody kind of gets to have their own day or week. Right, it's, it's flexible. It gives everyone space. Yeah, and it's also not killer on the press people as well. You're not having to like hunker down and be like, okay, we got to write about 20 million things in one day either. You know, it's it's great for everybody. So I don't I, know. I mean, I, is is that a bad thing? Is there a bad thing to this at all? I, I'm taking that it's a bad thing position. I don't need to have four fucking months of game news. I, I am. Hey, it might be hard on game journalists for the one week. I'm way more happy with that when my Twitter feed isn't going to be cluttered every every announce day for the next four months about, hey, here's a new game from uh, uh, the Hotline Miami studio or, you know, this indie game that probably would have been brushed over if it wasn't like good looking for E3. Like, I don't I, I don't need six, four months of this crap. <laughs> Damn, that's uh, that's you one way to look like at it. Sounds like you just don't like the discourse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're not talking about indie games. We're talking about the big publishers. Everybody basically well, I mean, Nintendo. It's not enough. I don't. I don't think there's enough good games to to even qualify that. First of all, considering how decentralized E3 is now. The thing that I would like to ask you both, because I'm really curious, and I'm trying to decide this for myself. Which would make you more likely to overlook a game if it were spaced out like this, and it could just trickle out any day? There could be like something that gets announced that you may or may not pay attention to, or it all being crammed together into a few days over the course of a big uh, conference. It's easier to miss a game like for the regular E3 because it is so concentrated. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, that method leads to surprises. Like you you can find, if you watch like an E3 game, you know, wrap up video or something, you can go, Hey, this game, this one game was interesting. Let me go try to find out more about it. If every week there's some like one new game or one or two new games they talk about for the entire week, which is overkill, you, you just get I think you just get bored of it or just ignore it after a while. Yeah, I can I mean, see that to some degree. OK, if we're going to take the game press side of it out, which that's partially what we are, which if I'm just a consumer I enjoy E3 because you get to live in it for like that week and then it's over and you go back to normal life. And well, it's, I mean, you know. it's like the same thing as like the San Diego Comic Con. Right. I mean, Jens, you don't care about that, about like, you know, the Marvel trailer or whatever, new Marvel trailer, but a lot of people do. And I, it's, it's very comparable to, you know, that format. But those trailers also get a lot of attention just being kind of trickled out. Over social media. I mean, yeah, because like they are like you know a new Marvel game. But it's because of that event, though. It a lot of it also is the fact that people are trying to hide in like you're not supposed to show it, right? It's a it's a hidden thing. It's like a big deal if you got to go and see it, and then when it gets finally leaked online, that's when everybody goes crazy because oh my god, I'm getting to see this thing I wasn't supposed to see, and you know whatever. Well, no, I mean my position is like there's like let's say two or three Marvel movies per year. Right. That's a far cry. Like you don't have four months. You wouldn't have four months of Marvel new Marvel trailers. You say, "Hey, right. here, here's the here's the 48th trailer for Doctor Strange 2. It's like at a certain point, I don't care. <laughs> so your argument, uh, in a nutshell, Mark, is that it's just easier to generate hype with a conference. I mean, I think it's that. I think it's easier just in general to like view everything you would want. Like I don't need to be, you know, blue balled for four months about. Hey, I w- I want to hear about this one game. Hey, that's an, that's going to be the in the uh, the third week of August slot. Well, 
call me when that happens, I guess. Or I'll probably just forget about it at that point. I don't necessarily think we're going to... Okay, so my take on it is that I think this is better this way for the perspective of what we're seeing right now with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't necessarily think we're going to see with every publisher that has one of these events. I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla is getting this because Ubisoft was already planning their own event. Microsoft might have, you know, made a deal with them. Hey, we're going to be one of the first ones to do this summer gaming thing next week on May 8th. It's all third party related. You're one of the biggest third parties that is going to be on there. And Ubisoft said, oh, we'll go ahead and do a little teaser for our game and then we'll do gameplay at your show. I don't think we're going to know, we're not going to have 2K and Bandai Namco and Square Enix and Warner Brothers all do exactly what you're saying, blue ball somebody into, oh, hey, in August, you're going to see a conference and this big game you're waiting to hear about is is going to be there. I think you're going to know, just like E3, I think it's going to be more like E3, you're going to know this company is doing this slot. And maybe they do a little bitty teaser, but I don't think you're getting like what you're getting with the Assassin's Creed game here, where you're getting hard teased to wait a week. It's not what they did. Assassin's Creed has not been a tease. It's been a disaster. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. But honestly, I think from a games press perspective, this is great because what happens? This means guaranteed every week on this show, we have something to talk about. There'll be content. Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ready to concede that this is better than a traditional um, trade show. But obviously, for the current times, this is basically as ideal a solution as you can have. Well, so, I mean, uh, you know, regardless of whether it's better or not to have this stuff spaced out, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't release everything on the same day in this model. So, my, just, well, my other problem is, like, didn't IGN or GameSpot already kind of announce this like a month ago? Is that a problem? No, IGN is doing their own thing, which I don't know how that affects this. I mean, um, IGN, no offense to Jeff Keighley, IGN is way more cemented in the, you know, the gaming landscape than Jeff Keighley. I mean, yeah, but this is not like Jeff Keighley presents. This is just called Summer Gaming Fest or whatever. You don't think he's, he's going to be hosting it? He is hosting yeah, it. Yeah, he'll, produ- he'll yeah, produce exactly. it and he'll, host like, it. He'll, he'll introduce everything. He'll, he'll curate, I think. Is and no offense to him, is. but like, his gaming award shows aren't great, <laughs> like for that stuff. Yeah, but I don't think we're we're talking about like. I mean, I, honestly, we don't know after the first Xbox one where all these slots are going to land, and if they're going to have days where you have a few one after the other, or is this all going to be everybody gets their own day or, or whatever? You know, we still don't know what's going to happen. Are we just getting little snip, little like, you know, Nintendo directs, and then? Gamescom is still going to have the big press conference. I mean, what? That's what's going to weird is Gamescom is the end of this. What is going to be Gamescom now if all these other things are happening before that? You know. Um, but I don't know because I mean, it's just it's just one of those like I think we have to kind of see if you would. with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. These first. But I also wonder if, let's say Microsoft comes and, like, knocks it out of the park, right? And then Square Enix comes and has like a so-so event. The thing that helps with E3 is a lot of that kind of gets smoothed over. And you don't necessarily focus on, oh, Bandai Namco had these like four games and none of them. I'm sorry, I shouldn't point out Bandai Namco because they're very nice in working <laughs> with us. But um whatever, you know, Blizzard has a uh event where they show a bunch of stuff that isn't really well received. and you talk about that and you're talking about them in a bad way whereas you hardly ever talk about them not blizzard for instance but let's say it's a different company like they normally don't get pressed like that and it turn doesn't turn out well for them well that's another thing about e3 is like like that you know let's say ubisoft did have a bad press conference hey by the next day people forgot about it because yeah. nintendo had theirs or sony will have had theirs this you know let's say blizzard does have a bad uh, you know, show which is likely considering their their games, it's going to be mocked for the next week. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Mark said, Jeff Keighley is uh, producing this, and he is going to create content for the event as well as host and produce pre and post show specials for I mean, some of these big reveals. You know, he like so. he has an agenda. Like, I don't feel like e, like E three has an agenda, but there's this fairly non-committal. I mean, just going to throw everything at the wall, like. He clearly has certain game or certain companies that will pay him more for more access. And it's like, that's right. gross. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he also has an agenda in that he really wants. Or, I mean, let's say he likes a game. He'll probably give it more airtime. But who knows if the game's going to be good or not. Like, E3 just has, here are the four or five game companies. They can show whatever the hell they want. Like, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're, but you're also paying for that at E3 at... Yeah, a preposterous amount that, as Sony said, is getting increasingly, increasingly more expensive to the point where is it worth it for us to spend that kind of money, you know? And I don't blame them. Whereas, okay, you're getting a digital event. Maybe Jeff Keighley's getting some money, but I don't think he's getting the kind of E3 money for curating this into a digital thing where they don't really need it, you know? Uh, so. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm a little more curious about how this is going to go off and how this is all going to be spaced out and, and everything else. And, and if it works, you know, and if, and if you really do get people interested in it, but it's like Microsoft doesn't really need to tie themselves to this. They could have just announced we're doing a thing on May 8th. And honestly, I didn't know until it was in a news release that this was supposedly tied to it. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, Okay, you know, I guess uh, I'm sure he's going to have some kind of big banner at the beginning of before each show like E3 does. And you'll know it's part of that. But yeah, I I just wonder, I want to see, I want, I want to see how in your face that is and how much we're going to remember that it being Summer Game Fest or how we're going to remember 
each one of these companies has had their own like direct thing. Uh, speaking of that, uh, something we talked about last last show a little bit was the Last of Us Two leak, and that we had thought that it was involving a Last of Us Two like disgruntled employee and uh, all of that. Well, apparently, even though there was uh you know a some bogus report from somebody on Reddit about who it was from and what it entailed and everything. Uh, in a statement to GameIndustry.biz, Sony confirmed that they know who it is, but they're not allowed to um, divulge who it is due to legal ramifications and all that. It never struck me as credible that this was a disgruntled employee. I mean, why would you uh, ruin your life's work like this if you've put all this time and effort into a major triple A game. Not to mention, I mean, I feel like you could eventually find out who it is that way. Well, I mean, if he got laid off, and that's the reason to do it, I guess. But I mean, it never struck me as one guy either, because those videos had at least two different languages going on. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I doubt one guy would have access to the English and the, I think the Spanish version of the game. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it was probably like some dubbing house or something like that. Yeah. That actually is not a bad theory. Because there's like one clip of like Ellie speak, you know, Ashley Johnson speaking. And there's like another clip of like Spanish Ashley Johnson speaking or, you know, some other, some actress, you know, dubbing over her voice or something. So it's like, all right. Interesting. Well, I just, it's just such a huge bummer for anyone involved in that game. And uh, it vexes me because, you know, now there's just more of a risk of encountering spoilers about the game before it comes out. So it's just one more thing I need to mute and avoid. Make it yeah, what happens. It's definitely not fun. Uh, I, I know Randy was, he didn't even know what was going on. I was like, hey, you might want to go uh, mute. Yeah, I, I joked with him stuff. about that last night. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, well, I mentioned I saw it, and then we were talking, and he was like, I, I'm off Twitter until the game comes out. <laughs> I was like, I could, I could just tell you. And then he was like, if you do, I'll block you. So Yeah, well, you're the one person who deliberately spoils himself on games, so. I'm trying to, for it not to happen. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I know the game's coming and I I gotta play it, I don't mind some of it, but yeah, I don't I don't need to swap myself months ahead. Um, and the more I know I'm gonna play the game, the less I want to know. If I'm if I'm already have if I'm already determined that I'm gonna play it definitely, then why would I want to know anything about it up front? Yeah, totally makes sense. It's not a buying decision. Yeah, especially when you like you're deciding to spend. $60 on that game, it's it's like, man. I mean, I've seen some of the vitriol on online about, oh, well, now I don't have to spend 60 bucks. Great, thanks for saving me the money. Or or I didn't That's like so this, dumb. or I didn't like that, you know? And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I just hope they don't end up changing the story as a way of addressing the leak. I that has always made will. things worse. Um, I think Neil Druckmann also said, like, watch out, there's people just spreading rumors about what is in the story and what's not and all that. And yeah, I, I see it every day as someone that has to be on Twitter and it's just like, it's, it's stupid. It's the people getting mad about, oh, well, you know, uh, now, now people getting upset about, um, the same crowd getting upset about the fact that there's a, female Ivor in Assassin's Creed. You know, it's like, really, folks? What? It's an option. Like, you don't have to... Are these the same people who complained that um, the feminazis made Tifa less sexy? Yeah, the same people that are mad that, you know, 
Ellie's lesbian and and all that stuff. I mean, it's just like it's everybody. It, it all the same people get mad about everything that has to do with something involving, you know. Uh, Some, and somehow it's all Brie Larson's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow it's all Brie Larson's fault. So. Uh, but yeah, it, hey, well, I don't think this this is not going to have any ramification on the game sales or whatever. I just love the people that get upset about this and say, "Oh my God, all this stuff is going to have ramification on the game sales." And the game comes out, sells all kinds of amounts of money, and they are proving completely wrong. So, well, but you'll never be able to compare. Because you can't look into an alternate universe where the information did not leak, so it may sell fine, but you know you never know. It might have sold even better. I just don't think the people, the casual people that are excited for this game that aren't on gaming Twitter all the time, uh, even know this happened. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, also something I should have mentioned when we were talking about delays. Wonderful One Hundred One's physical version uh, has been delayed. I know you're upset, you know. Yes. The question is more. So they've promised Steam copies for everybody. Um, I'm if hoping you're a physical copy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really. I guess it'll be nice to have the Steam copy, but you know, I'm trying to get the game on PS4. I guess. Well, I think the Switch version. I need to look into what which which version. Um, well, I got. I mean, but the point is. Yeah. Go on. No, no, no. What would we but ultimately? I was gonna say ultimately, if I just give your Steam copy to me, because you don't play you don't play PC games. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I've got my email right here. Physical and digital editions. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. This is codes for digital versions of Wonderful One Hundred Master will go out to backers who pledge to corresponding tier starting on May seventh. Due to the number of codes, it'll take some time for all backers to receive them. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. In one of the um, earlier Kickstarter announcements, they specifically mentioned Steam. Yeah. So my question is, am I going to get a Steam code or am I going to get a? Uh, Four or switch code. I think you're getting a Steam code. Yeah. Uh, my other question is, will I get a code for the digital files of the soundtrack? Up for, or is it. that something? Because it's supposed to come on like a USB stick, I think. No, I, I, I assume I that's probably still delayed. Or I, I doubt that. I mean, they could do it, but I, I got know, I just think... I got the the vinyl. Uh, not the vinyl. The uh, there, there's like a big CD box set yeah. here. Yeah. Well. Oh, Bummer. Sorry, it's okay. Well, I'll, I'll just hold off on playing the game. I don't think I'll play the game on Steam. My computer will barely be able to run it. My computer is like a decade old now. Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> old computer is almost getting to that point. That's how I feel. Uh, Reggie Fusime is going to have his own gaming podcast. There's another person that, uh, it's only gonna, it's only gonna be a seven episode podcast. Um, so, uh, Harold, Goldberg was actually one of the founders of New York Video Games Critic Circle. Uh, he does some really uh, good work. Uh, I think he just he just did something for Final Fantasy VII, or I don't know what I I just saw the the tweet about it like today. I forgot now. Um, but yeah, he's he's gonna be talking to Reggie, and that's so it should be a very interesting podcast. What's he what he divulges? Does he? Talk about any secrets uh, from Nintendo or any of his time there where, and all that. This is where he says there's been a Mother 3 official translation for the past 20 years, but uh, they just don't want to put it out. Oh, I'm sure he'll he'll be teasing that. Oh, also supposedly date is the uh, E3 Nintendo Direct, which people all of a sudden decided that was the most important thing in the world and had a heart attack and 
went crazy about, like, people. There are other things going on in the world than the fact that the Nintendo Direct got delayed. Stop it. Just stop they it. Were gonna, they were going to announce all the new Smash Brothers characters. Yeah, all in one Direct, too. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, look, I get it. Everybody's excited for that one. That's where a lot of the big stuff gets announced and everything. But there's been some, some E3 Nintendo Directs that have not been as memorable. So I wouldn't totally, you know get get all hyped and then maybe not but i get it because past xenoblade chronicles uh definitive which comes out at the end of this month we don't really know what's coming so i get it people were hyped but, i i know. actually don't think that xenoblade game is going to come out or like you know it'll still it'll be delayed no it'll come Why? that was the only thing at that direct that had a definitive release date i mean and... i think i think it'll digitally show up but i don't think physically will or if it does physically, it'll be so hard to find that like regular people won't, won't even be able to you know see it I at all. I mean, will it? We're talking about another almost month for these regulations to relax and everything else. I mean, have you gone into a gaming store lately, or like a store that has sells games? It is barren on the shelves. Well, yeah. I mean, are you talking about going I'm, in a GameStop? Or are you talking about going in a? I'm talking about like going to like a Walmart that sells games. All right, but that's probably because they're not restocking anything. I mean, yeah, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take weeks or months for a stock to get back up up to speed. Probably months, honestly. And then what's the point of of selling Xenoblade if you can't find Switches in stock? (laughs) I mean, but you're not, you're not just buying Xenoblade because you're going to buy a Switch. You're buying Xenoblade because you already own a Switch and you want to have the the game. I mean, are we really saying that Xenoblade Definitive Edition is going to sell Switches now? I I don't know. They're not Animal Crossing. (laughs) I mean, it could, but like, I don't, I don't think we're talking about this. Is, the reason why Animal Crossing got a, its own Switch and everything was because he, Nintendo was banking on Animal Crossing is going to sell Switches. Xenoblade is just a monolith soft is their studio. It's their big game. It's another Wii, Wii U port. And yeah. the f- second one sold over a million copies and did well. I mean, so we're getting the first one. Really well remade, which I appreciate because it looks hell of a lot better, and it looks awesome, and I'm excited to play it. But I I do think that I think it's gone gold by this point, and they're just gonna go ahead and put it out. I mean, they're not. I just don't think Nintendo is banking on. Um, oops, what the hell? Uh, Nintendo's banking on that game to be the. Oh, we're. It has to sell this many copies by the by the beginning of June. Right, and presumably it's going to have legs. Yeah, I mean, and not to mention, like, JRPG fans, they are uh, some of the most loyal people about buying games that they really want. So, like, you know, people made that whole joke about Token Mirage Sessions, but a lot of that was because it was under... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, shit. About the, oh, well, it's first week. The original version sold more or whatever. Like, that's because that Nintendo didn't expect for that game to sell that much. So they didn't ship that many copies. But, you know. Well, also Nintendo has increasingly said that their digital sales are getting bigger and bigger all the time. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. This is the first game that's really being affected on Nintendo's end uh, by the pandemic because Animal Crossing was right before it got crazy. So, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like if it was going to be delayed, they would have announced something by now. Yeah. Plus, a lot of people are probably also going to buy it digitally. I'm sure they're counting on that. I mean, that that's kind of my point, is I think it'll sell way more digitally than physically. So, well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I don't think it's fine. like... Nintendo doesn't have um, these deals with these retail companies like they do, like Sony has for Last of Us, that they needed the retail copies to come, or you were going to have backlash. I mean, it's like, you know? Like, we never heard any... The only reason they're delaying Ghost of Tsushima is because they don't want it to come out a week after last of us because we never heard that about oh we got to delay ghosts because we don't want it to come out uh with the problem about only being digital you know or, or whatever so I, I just don't think nintendo i don't if we were talking about a mario or zelda i would agree but yeah we'll uh we'll see how that goes maybe maybe mark winds up being right by the time we get to the end of May. who knows we we still have to hope that we don't see resurgences in cases after people start reopening up more things. Yeah, that's going to be a big determinant in what happens with a lot of this late year stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. That will be the uh, the biggest determinant. Uh, and especially because it seems like it has definitely affected when we're getting Assassin's Creed Valhalla because for the longest time, Assassin's Creed games have come out uh, either at the end of October or towards the sometime in October, basically. And now this is coming out to uh, holiday 2020. Uh, I would have totally agreed with Mark that this was a disaster of a reveal if they had only shown the, basically the art director eight, drawing the eight, cover art. The eight hour sketch. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, something else. I, I stopped watching after like the first 10 minutes. I was like, yep, this is cool if you're an art person. This is not cool if you're waiting for something to get revealed. Uh... And then they showed the trailer, which Mark then revealed to me that apparently he does not like game reveals because of them being CG trailers, I guess. Yeah. Was this a, was this a CG trailer? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like super. I mean, it felt like there was some of that in the engine, but I think it was more trying to show off, I guess, what. I will fully admit, I know nothing. I know nothing about this. I did not see this reveal at all. So I'm really curious. What was so ridiculous about it? They spent six minutes on an art director. No, no, okay, that was the, 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 the first day. They spent eight hours. The director was like sketching the box art or some vista yeah. or something. Yeah. And the next That's day, a- they showed like a I think a four or six minute trailer, like just CGI. Wow. It looked like it looked like the intro to the game almost. 
but yeah, I who mean, cares? It's probably not. But well, I mean, it's just you know you can do anything in CGI. I want to see you know what the actual game looks like to play. Okay, to be fair, we found out pretty quickly after that that that's the reason why it was held off was for the Xbox event, uh, the Xbox third party event, which uh, is a week from now. Which is that's so when we're gonna get gameplay for that. Why not wait a week to show the trailer or to have that stupid art stream? Okay, the art stream I completely agree. That was kind of not that was not great at all. But the trailer was great. I mean, like you got I don't know. There are plenty of people streaming themselves live painting or live drawing all the time. It's a genre of stream that some people like. I don't see why that's necessarily a bad thing. Obviously not for announcing a game, but if they just wanted to do an art stream as kind of part of a tie-in promotion, why not? Well, it's when Twitter is like, oh, they're revealing the new Assassin's Creed. Like, that was a trending topic, and you click on it, and it's just some dude at a sketch yeah. table. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay, I guess they should have foreseen that people would react that way. But, you know, in, in principle, that's not a bad idea. Okay, so let's let's get into what was actually shown in the uh, cuts, the, <laughs> the four-minute... CG trailer that Mark did not enjoy because it was CG. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think, happens. I think at this point, we're not getting duped by what's being shown. I mean, graphics are improving leaps, and, you know, even more now with the Series X and PS5. I, I don't think that's the whole point of this. It's to kind of show you a cool way of what's expected in this game. So the main character, this is Assassin's Creed Vikings. It's now called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, it was rumored for a long time that's what it that it was basically a route Vikings, and it's very much feels like the TV show uh, that you may or may not have watched on History Channel or just the Viking lore in general. Uh, I love the fact that you had to have Corey Barlog respond to the idiots on Twitter that felt like they had to go and tell Ubisoft they're ripping off God of War. Well, like the main Vikings. pose of that guy on the box art looks like Kratos. I, I don't act. care. It's stupid. Like there has been Viking games and Viking media long before God of War decided to change its. Okay. Uh, Aside from God of War and Lost Vikings, when when has there been a popular Viking game? I'm not talking about game. I was talking about media. Like if you're gonna say anything, God of War stole from the Vikings <laughs> History Channel show. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Or they're just all drawing from the same general pool of fantasy aesthetics or or, or Greek mythology myth, or, Norse, or Norse mythology esque. Um you know, Greek Roman, all that all the God of War, I guess they ran through the the Greek gods. Yeah. And then exactly, right. But, yeah. but yeah, so I mean that stuff's all public domain. I mean you're telling me a big oh, it's a muscular guy holding no, no. an axe on the cover. Yeah, no, no. Marvel owns Storm Loki. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that, like, okay. That's so, to me all up for grabs. That sort of thing. Yeah. So, like, let's uh, looking at it. Uh, what I meant was, so this is much more like the Vikings of that show because you don't have the axe going back into uh, the Ivor's hands like you do with Kratos. Uh, mm. It. it you throw it and that's it. Very much like the Viking show. Um, so you're saying it's, it's legally distinct. Do what? What are you saying? So you're saying it's legally distinct. Yes, le- legally distinct. Uh, Ivor is either going to be. It can be either a man or a woman. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's. It's nothing like uh, the uh, two different ones you saw in Odyssey, where you had Cassandra and I don't even know who the other guys. Alexei. The guys. 
Alexi, it seems like it's just you're going to have a lot more creative freedom on the customization part. Like there's going to be customized gear, customized a lot more uh, customizing of how they look. Um, customizing is the whole point of this game, seems like, because you're going to have a whole uh, camp and everything that you can customize. And based on how you customize it also uh, can determine things in the game as well. So, uh, because depending on, you know, what kind of raids you go on or side quests you go on, presumably, will depend on the loot that you get back. And I guess who decides to attack your town or your whatever this one, your, your settlement. So that's cool. It, it does get me because it's made by the same team that made Black Flag. So it gave me a lot of Black Flag vibes watching this. Mm. Uh, also, you know, you have the uh, Norse, the the Viking ships, which are going to play a big role in this as well. Uh, you're going to be doing raids, getting to the different parts of ninth century England with those uh, ships. So, which look great. I thought it was twelfth um, century, but I might be wrong. Whatever. Now I'm reading ninth century here. Okay. So maybe it's maybe it's maybe you're right. maybe, maybe maybe I saw like an earlier cutter copy or something um so you know basically like the beginning it's showing you uh the king of england at that point is narrating that uh you know the vikings are taking over lands that they will know they will not defend and they will not care about and we're gonna basically go at them with war and yeah basically you're it's it's you're the vikings and you're going against the uh wessex and all the other those early century uh english towns to and uh, you're you're basically trying to take over and yeah i mean it it seems pretty awesome it's going to be interesting what they reveal with um the the gameplay next week but i any you know aside from the fact that it was cg that you didn't like mark but is there something that was revealed either in print or in the in the trailer that you were like oh and this is seems interesting i'm i'm into that no no why not <laughs> Because it's going to follow the same template as the last few games. Like, I don't care about customization. Like, I, I honestly don't care what my character looks like in general in game, period. Uh, oh, I want the, you, you know, I want the gear to be useful. I, I care more about it being effective than it looking cool. <laughs> and as far as like the, uh, you know, doing certain side missions or doing certain raids or something, people in those games, like me, do everything. That's not, that ultimately doesn't matter. It's not like, you're going to close one of the avenues off. Like, those games, nothing ever gets closed off. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the story I... might be good, but, I mean, that's probably why, why I will play it, but I doubt the gameplay will be radically different. Yeah, I haven't yeah. played the last iteration of Assassin's Creed is, so I don't know. But if it's the Black Flag team, Black Flag is kind of one of the last ones that I liked and played, so I mean, maybe? Black Flag... Black Flag, honestly, was like the start of those games getting too big. That, That's like, true, but Odyssey... if they further moved away from the stealth stuff in Black Flag, which I thought was the worst stuff in Black Flag, then maybe this could be a cool Assassin's Creed game. I always like the sea battles. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's funny how, like, there's only, like, two sea battles in, I think, uh, Odyssey. The thought of going up against all those historical figures is uh, neat. As as per usual with Assassin's Creed, but this is just a good era. Yeah, I kind of think. Who's going to be your 
who's going to be your Leonardo da Vinci or your Q? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a really good question. I was just kind of going to make the point that this is uh, this is kind of what Kingdom Hearts is to Disney characters. It's yeah. as great to historical figures. Oh, Syndicate got like really crazy about that. It was really mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, I mean, it seems like their biggest thing seems to be the things Mark doesn't like with this is yeah. like a lot of customization of your settlement, of your gear, of your character, of your whether it's male or female. I mean, it's uh, basically turned, they turned it into Far Cry. And it's like, you already have Far Cry. Like, you don't need to turn... <laughs> Assassin's Creed used to be its own separate thing. I'm not crazy about maintaining a settlement either. It's giving me flashbacks to Fallout 4, where it's throwing all that, uh, you know, build your town back up yeah, stuff was, at you in the so beginning. Yeah, that that game. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it turns out to be totally optional, but, you know, the first impression is like, what? Like- Okay, here, here's like the reason I don't like customization is like look at like Ezio from AC2. I mean, he changed outfits. He, I mean, he had alternate outfits, but he had like a kind of a main outfit, like the white hooded thing. If you just have some dude who you can swipe a bunch of parts on, he has no like no no agency or character within the story. I like a good creative character, and you can do it so that they have personality and a voice. It's not like that's impossible to do. I mean, I don't yeah. know how the how uh, there's people who seem to love Assassin's Creed Odyssey exactly for that. Well, yeah, because like the well, they like it because the female character was written really well, but the male character sucked ass. Oh, so, the like, female character. It's what they were Shepard as well. Well, no, because it, like in in uh, Odyssey, like there was like a big story difference between the two characters. It wasn't like Mass Effect. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, this is more like exactly like that, like Mass Effect, like. It feels like you're going to have your male Ivor and your female Ivor, and then you just pick which gender. doesn't feel like I, it's a... If they do a uh, multiplayer co-op expansion or, you know, version, I want it to be called Assassin's Creed Palhalla. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the only way. Also, like, isn't Watch, Dog, Watch Dogs Legion supposed to be out? <laughs> like, No, they delayed that, that thing. Well, Did I know, but like... To... So either later in 2020, or I guess now it could even be 2021. Ah, uh, who cares? Yeah, if, Ubisoft you know, basically, oh, you know why they haven't announced anything? Because Ubisoft basically said that it depends on whether the next-gen consoles come out, they'll just delay everything. Yeah, it's a good philosophy. Ubisoft releases whenever they want. Yeah, I think the only thing, because this is current, this is, you know, cross-gen. I mean, the other game is also cross-gen, but I feel like they feel, I think they think that as long as... We have an Assassin's Creed game. The other stuff, we don't really need to have any kind of well, window. I mean, or... They said that, but like Watch Dogs was supposed to be like the counterpoint to Assassin's Creed. Like they were supposed to release basically on alternating year schedules, but they fucked it all up. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think also they're still, as far as we know, they haven't announced any kind of delay to their digital event. So they may also be kind of waiting to have their own event to reveal those kinds of things you know uh last thing i think uh on this that we haven't discussed is in the trailer there's a notion of the assassin being there or what looks like the assassin and then he i work kind of sees it and says uh oh odin's here we're gonna do awesome that's all of a sudden when he starts like doing badly and then uh also apparently ivor has a a bird animal with him as well for this, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, 
like they, you were mocked or you made you made a comment about like you you throw the axe and it's going to come back to you like unlike the God of War games it's like yeah. Odyssey and Origins you, you basically gain like superpowers in those games so I wouldn't hold I wouldn't put it past him at a certain point you get some like magnetic glove and it's like oh you can throw the axe and activate your glove and it comes back to you or some bullshit like that like in like Odyssey you can like literally like cloak yourself you know, like just turn invisible and it's like what. Like, well, that would not be historically accurate. Don't these games strive for historical accuracy outside of not all the crazy alien forerunner stuff? Yeah, but Egyptians not all. have a personal cloaking device. <laughs> or the, Gre- the Greeks, I should say. I'm like, was, I don't the, think so. Like, that's real, isn't it? Yeah, but only, so, only that, certain Greeks. Well, it's they, the Egyptians were touched by the ancient aliens. We know this. They also have a stargate underneath the temple. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, like. Though these games, like, I mean, even the earlier games, they weren't like completely realistic, but they at least kind of tried to play in reality. But the last few games, you gain like superpowers, and they look crazy. Like, I mean, if you're gonna get into like being an RPG and have a gear that levels up and and like you gain powers over that, eventually it's kind of gonna go into that realm. I mean, you're gonna run out of crap to. I mean, I think in Odyssey you're like literally fighting like a legendary boar. That was like farting. It's farting clouds around it that could poison you. Well, it's like that's the old kind of contrived thing of, or the argument between, you know, is is this um... historical or fantasy? <laughs> well, you know, well, oh, who's the superhero character? Oh, that's not a superhero. That's just a level ninety nine. Yeah. So you're always going to have that uh, suspension of disbelief. I think once you reach a certain, once you just become basically superhuman in the game. You just kind of accept it and enjoy the power fantasy. Of course, some games will never let you get to that point, but oh yeah, and also it's kind of neat that yeah. I was gonna say also in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you could teleport around like Noctis from Final Fantasy 15, huh? By throwing your spear. Do you have to like throw your weapons away for them to recharge? No, you, you, they recharge just by you killing people. Okay, well that's better than Final Fantasy 15 then. Oh, I mean, we also have seen like Ubisoft take that like. What they really care about is having the world sort of be authentic, and then whatever you do in the game necessarily isn't always that way because they have their own educational part that they release later that is more authentic in that way. So, yeah, yeah. but that's just like a guided tour of like, oh, this you know this Viking landmark is you know we modeled it how it would have looked back in the day. <laughs> I mean, that's still cool though. I mean, they don't necessarily have to do all that, and it's nice that they do. Uh, I did appreciate that part at the end where the big hulking uh, knight is coming in. It looks like he's about to just whoop Ivor and then at the last minute the uh, what is that? The assassin blade or the hidden blade. Hidden blade like he uses it and kills him. So that's neat. Uh, they did allude to like I said with the assassin is that Norse with all is going to play a role but they don't want to discuss about how much it's going to play a role in this because I guess that's going to be revealed later. No, they did the same thing with Odyssey. Like, he fought, like, certain Greek monsters, like the Medusa or, like, like a centaur or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Those games got weird. (laughs) Uh, And there's obviously three different versions, like we see with most games now. The base game, the season pass, and the ultimate pack. Um, Each one, you know, includes more things than the other. There's also a collector's edition that includes a uh, Ivor... And her long ship, uh, 30 centimeter replica. 
a collector's case, a steel book, a Viking statuette of Ivor with his raven and Dane axe, uh, parts of the soundtrack, and lithographs. <laughs> I like his so, specificity there. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's in there. It says so. Parts. Uh, yeah. uh, so there you go. There's there's what we know about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and we're gonna rank our best Assassin's Creed games at the end of the show. So there's more Assassin's Creed tie-in if you're Assassin's Creed uh, person. Like, I've I've learned to like a bit more of Assassin's Creed doing these shows of Mark because I was never uh, I like the historical aspect of Assassin's Creed but it just it wasn't always my jam I was much more a Prince of Persia person so but yeah I, I, but after the first Prince of Persia that, that series fell away <laughs> oh yeah it, it became a much different game it became much more action-y I've only played so. the 2008 reboot one yeah that was that, that mean, was good it was okay it was okay yeah like the first, like the 2003, I think Prince of Persia was really good, and then the second one, it was like they turned it into like death metal or like new metal, and it's like, what the fuck is mm-hmm. going on? Was that like and two swords or something like that? Yeah, and it's there they tried to split the difference, but like having him like transform between forms, and it's like, nope, you already lost me. Sorry. Yeah, that it it went like totally south by then. Hmm. And Gearbox. Is this the same Gearbox? Yeah. Gearbox is working on a TV show based on the tactical shooter series Brothers in Arms with Scott Rosenbaum on board as the showrunner, executive producer. I I don't buy it. No, Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Like, for one thing, like, Brothers in Arms doesn't have, well, fans, but it doesn't have, like, you know, a strong enough identity. And the last Brothers in Arms game was, like, 15 years ago, I think, or at least 10. Uh, I guess they're trying to capitalize on all the war movie stuff that's come out recently. I guess it's just so similar to um, Band of Brothers in concept and aesthetic, or potentially at least, that, you know, even though it's different stories, I mean, it could be good. It could be another Band of Brothers, if it ever happens, which it won't. Yeah, Yeah, I I guess the last Brothers in Arms games was 2014. If this were based on Furious 5, then I might be more interested. But they haven't even gotten Furious Five out. Or was it? That was the title, right? That was their Inglorious Bastards inspired. Furious Four. Game. Furious Four. Sorry, one too many. And that got canceled. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking at Scott Rosenbaum, the producer of this show. Uh, Scott Rosenbaum is also known for Chuck, Queen of the South, The Shield, and V. I've heard of two totally of those. Down with three of those shows. So. Yeah. Which three? You'll just have to guess. But um, yeah, that's a that's a good pedigree. I mean, sure, until you realize that Randy Pitchford is going to be involved somehow. So that's the know. thing that makes me think it's just bullshit. <laughs> but you know, this, this producer is a legitimate producer. I mean, they they've mentioned that I think they said at least at one point they're going to try to do a Borderlands movie, and it's like, yeah, that really happened. Right, but we also were pretty close to a Bioshock movie by Gorbinsky if you could only have gotten the money for it. So there's like a lot of things. That are real project that get close to being made. Right. I'm still excited for that Halo TV show. Actually, is that is that still happening? Yeah, I mean yes. they, they they haven't filming it. Like it's huh. And the guy they got to uh, be Matt Reeve is really good. I think so. Yeah, so I'm excited it's, for that it, too. This being did you say Matt Reeve? No. Oh, sorry. I thought no. I, I said the guy they got to be Master Chief. 
Oh, Master Chief. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the director of the Batman. No. Oh, man. Okay, well... The guy playing Master Chief is Pablo Schreiber. Huh. The name rings a bell. uh, I think he's like Lee Schreiber's half-brother, and he was in The Wire and other stuff. (laughs) Probably haven't seen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, also since we're on the movie... (laughs) Since we're on the... uh, Spider-Man apparently has a uh, official universe, a Spider-Man universe of characters. Really? We couldn't think of anything else? I have the Spider-Web of characters. Sony Pictures universe Spider-Web of Marvel movies. characters is what it's called. Well, they've got to formalize what's theirs. I guess. How it's all connected. Especially now with this uh, multiverse Doctor Strange coming that Sam mm-hmm. Raimi is directing. Yeah. I could see them doing... Things that could set up a live-action type Spider-Verse movie. So, who knows if they're going that direction. But you remember there being rumors about, like, Tobey Maguire might come back as alternate Spider-Man from Sam Raimi Universe. Kind of like uh, the, the oh, God. What's the animated one? That was Spider-Verse. Awesome? Spider-Verse, yes. Yeah. Wait, exactly, like, yeah. Exactly like that. Well, that's, to be fair, I've been having brain farts all night yeah. as well. I mean, it'd be but, funny. Yeah, so I can understand why they might want to. I, I guess it is kind of lame, I suppose. And why do you need this as a as a piece of corporate PR? Because sense, it has to keep but... Spider-Man going, or else he lose the license. Well, I mean, obviously they are obligated to make Spider-Man stuff all the time, but that well, is I, the I, kind I, of curse that that is the kind of thing that you want to be cursed with. I know you're going to be uh, buying front and center day one the uh, Morbius ticket starring Jared Leto. Yeah, so that, see, exactly. This is how would the average person know that Morbius ties into the greater Marvel Universe now, if not for some sort of a legend or a summary document. Yep. I'll let you know. Or that, that Carnage movie with Woody Harrelson. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. They already, they already named it, too. It's like, uh, oh, I forget. It's like, enter the Carnage, or let there be Carnage. There you go. Yeah, let there be Carnage. That's not a terrible title. No, yeah, it's been worse. Really quick, I guess, let's throw it at What do you think of the uh, Regal and AMC refusing to play Universal because they... <laughs> they, will in- they will instantly fold once once movie theaters back open. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Universal is not such a huge part of the global box office. Uh, they Fast usually and have... Furious and... Yeah, I was going to say... Jurassic sure, Park and... Okay, I'm not saying uh, they don't have their big franchises. I mean, but Disney's they're... doing this too. Are you going to tell them that you're not going to show their movies? I mean, that's true. It is That'd a little weird. Though I guess Disney hasn't shown. Well, I guess they did that in the way. On, Onward was kind of a first release movie. Well, that Artemis Fall movie is hitting Disney Plus. It's not going to the theaters anymore. Yeah, I mean, okay. Disney did say like stuff that's like smaller. They're going to just put it straight on Disney like, Plus now. I, like, okay, like they're not going to show the Fast and Furious Nine, like. On video on demand, but like right. small movies, movie like, like Scoob or you know crap like that or that Trolls movie. Yeah, who cares? I was excited. I was kind of wanting to see Scoob, but that's just me, Scoob Scooby Doo version. Uh, I, I, I feel like the ninth version of Scooby Doo. I've kind of lost interest. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't have Linda Cardellini, Mark doesn't care. Yep, yeah, there's more things in life. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder if things like that Hercules movie that's now i guess the next live action disney movie 
Did we get some of those? This goes straight to like Lady well, no, Tramp. That that's not been made yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like how much do they consider smaller movie that like some of these live action things that maybe don't have a huge following. I think like there's Mulan. a temporary thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Mulan's going to play in theaters. Well, Mulan and, will. Yeah, and I don't I don't think like Mark said it's going to be on hold. Yeah. So they're going to pick this back up once normalcy has been somewhat restored. I think this is just a temporary thing with stuff that was already in production or almost ready for release. I mean, yeah, like, I get uh, it. Like, they're scared of how Trolls made a bunch of money, and they're scared that other companies will decide to just go straight to digital as well and just forego the the theater or whatever. But it's like, I, I don't I, think that's going to happen. And I really view it as analogous to, like, the car situation, like buying a Tesla. Like, it is much better to just buy a Tesla online or just go into, you know, a, you know, a store and say, hey, I just want to buy this. So they're dealing with some fucking car dealership. Like if I could, if I could just watch new movies at home, I would do it. <laughs> I'm not married to the theater going process. <laughs> yeah, but obviously the movie theaters that need you to go to movie theater. But <laughs> what you to... they, like? I they need me. I don't need them. And if they are married, like that's the same reason like CDs barely exist anymore because people move onto iTunes or Spotify yeah, true. or you know new technology like records. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you're on thin ice. CDs are still the best medium for music distribution. How how do you feel, Jens, as a movie person, or I guess older movie person? I am severely alienated by the movie going experience. At least in this state, people are very rude. People will talk uh, or hoot and holler during a movie. Um, they will use their phones. It is supremely irritating to me, and I have long. I was already barely going to the movies anymore, except for really important big releases like Doolittle Cats. or Cats. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> it, it. the funny like, thing is that I've seen almost, like I haven't seen the Ben Affleck sad sports movie yet because I don't really care about sad sports. But uh, I've seen practically, other than that one, I've seen all the new release movies that went to demand and I would have never seen them first run if it wasn't for the fact that they were available this way. Like I wouldn't have seen the invisible man or trolls or, um, Emma or any of those movies, call of the wild. I wouldn't have seen call of the wild in the movie theater, but, uh, you know, if you watch it at home, it's like, yeah, it's, it's it's good. Like the theaters up here are perfectly fine. Like most people are respectful they can might hear a phone go off like a very occasionally, but I mean, that's fine. Like, but I just don't like going to theater in general. Like, I, it doesn't really matter to me, like, if it's comfortable or not. I used to love going back, back in the, you know, the days when, well, when people, be there, honest, there was some theaters form. are bloatedly expensive. Well, you know, one by me is pretty cheap, but. Okay, that's you. Most yeah. people, you have to pay anywhere from 10 to more and if you buy anything which i at least have to buy a drink i can't sit there for two three hours without drinking something like so and if you go with anybody else like you know i go with a girlfriend or whatever it's it's even more expensive i go with you know my daughter which i would have definitely seen trolls in the theater had it gone to the theater but it's like you know it's just one of these where i don't think that that's bad what disney's doing what universal's doing if uh nbc's peacock thing takes off would they consider you know, doing something like that, like, uh, you know, 
I don't. I, I get it that AMC is close to bankruptcy, and they're well, they're also run by aren't they run by like a Chinese conglomerate as well? Like, so they probably see it as an attack on on their business, and I get it, but it's I think it's also short sighted and stupid. I think you need to if if everybody else is having to deal with the digital times, movie theaters has to deal with it too. You just, it's just the way of the world. It's, yep. Uh, so before we get into the uh, Jens has gotten much farther about Final Fantasy. I kind of talked some about having finished it the other day. Uh, some yeah, I finished. It. It's over. Oh, you finished it? Okay. So yep. Let me get your thoughts here in a second. Uh, so there was some new news uh, bits involving Final Fantasy this week, mainly about due to more people have gotten to the ending, uh, and the Ultimania book released. And so now talk started about, well, what's Remake Part 2 going to be like? Does the ending mean that they're just going to do whatever the heck they want? Or does it mean that people are making too much about that? And both Nomura and Gatase have come out to say that uh, we're not drastically changing the story and making it something completely different than the original. Even though it's a remake, please assume that FF7 will still be FF7 as usual. Yeah, I fully expect it to just continue the way that it did in the first Final Fantasy VII remake, which is that the Whisper stuff is just kind of shoehorned into key moments of uh, Final Fantasy, where you need something logistically to happen a certain way that doesn't make as much sense when it has left the two-day space, uh, two-day space of the original game. How do we solve this? Oh, we'll have the Whispers show up and block them from from you know passing here or interfering in this thing that's happening in this cutscene so uh i was actually not a huge fan of that stuff um the finale is very interesting i don't really i think we should save that for once mark finishes the game and mark we do our spoiler all right then we need to do our spoiler cast yes we do we got uh, randy on as well for that yeah we, need, we definitely need randy i want randy randy's a big defender of the whispers thing and he apparently has a detailed like um uh, theory he has a yeah he has a, a fully worked out here's exactly what everything means and what does it foretell for the future i personally was a little bit confused uh, I, I wasn't sure what it meant exactly um but apparently ties into the greater like sephiroth is you know there's something going on with sephiroth like, i don't think that's i mean yeah <laughs> okay you think did, it was... did, find, did sephiroth find chrono's time ship from chrono trigger and He's not fucking with the timeline. Man, I definitely feel like there's something wrong. There, that, that, that is a complete foreshadow of the ending. That is a, like, Uh-oh. if you don't think that there's multiple timelines in this thing now, is, we're are not... we saying? <laughs> okay. Also, I hope that, like, when, er- when Sephiroth stabs Aerith in the temp, in the temple, that, like, Cloud or someone just casts, like, a Phoenix down on her and picks her back up again. Like, well, what? this is always a thing with these kinds of games. Why don't they use a phoenix down in the cutscenes? Why do you only ever die when you get shot in a cutscene in Yakuza? Yep. You know, <laughs> these are just things that we accept. Yeah. I mean... Like, Mark, you were complaining to me about the fact that, that um, Cloud does some sweet-ass shit in the cutscenes for this. And it reminded me, I remember somebody, I think it was on Giant Bomb even, complaining about the fact that Raiden was way more... Like energetic and actiony and active in the cutscenes than yeah. anything that you could actually play. Yep. Like w- whenever it went to cutscene mode, it's like now he's a super agile ninja. I mean, he's still pretty <clears throat> awesome in the game. It's just yeah, that's but he's always not, like... been the case though. Oh, Cloud is Cloud is great. 
I mean, he's a, this is a really great version of Cloud. Um, I loved everything about the characters all the way through. I thought it was very emotional. I came close to tears a few times. I agree. Yep. Uh, it, it was a, it was a grand epic. It was basically everything that I would ever want from a Final Fantasy remake. I mean, as good as you could possibly make it, honestly. But the, the, stu- the stuff, <laughs> the stuff that they tacked on to me, I had a similar feeling about it as I had about in the two towers where basically Peter Jackson slightly extends the story by having him go back to us Gilead. Yeah. And it's completely pointless and doesn't, and if you actually look at like the middle earth map that, that are in the old Tolkien books, you look at that and you're like, this is a crazy detour that they're taking just so they can go to us Gilead. It makes no sense geographically, but it has to exist in order to give that movie an ending. So, you know, he had to have some kind of a climactic decision there. Right. So uh, uh, that's what this feels like to me, where, you know, it's got to tell you that, okay, you're still getting what you're expecting, but you, with a twist that is going to get you hooked for those who already know the story or who are going to play f- regular Final Fantasy VII now. That's what I definitely felt like at the end of this, was they really want you to go play Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> the original, <laughs> uh, just to see if any of that stuff actually happened or... Or just to, you know, so you can get a refresher so when the part two comes out, you kind of already know. And then, yeah, I just, and I don't think that's bad, right? Like, you know, that exists and they put it out on everything so you can buy it when whatever system you want. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel like they are setting up some things that definitely are going to wind up not being as crazy as we think. And then some things that are going to be, how do you explain this? How do you explain this? I do think right. if you're going to put Sephiroth and, you know, the this part of the story, which he wasn't until you get to the end where he, that's the first, the first, sorry, spoilers, so we haven't played Final Fantasy VII. It's a freaking 23-year-old game at this point. Um, and it's not really a spoiler. It's, Sephiroth doesn't really show up until you get to the Shinra building. You don't really, you don't know who Sephiroth is at all. He's not mentioned until you get there. That's the first time he shows up. Yeah, he wasn't your mentor when you were a child soldier. Right. So, I mean, well, he kind of was, except you don't find right. out till later. So, like, oh, sorry. Um, I will edit this out. Uh, well, no, you you find out. I mean, that's I'm guessing that's where this the the story is going to start for part two. Is they're going to start in that scene where they go to Nibelheim, which gets alluded to in parts of the story. Right, where, where Tifa's wearing the, the cowboy outfit. So, right. like, you know, I think definitely it, they should have explained a little bit about who Sephiroth is for people who don't know who he is or who have not played the game at all, the original game. So, I mean, I get it. They want you to go play the original game, but some people are not going to do that because unless you play with the PC mods, which that's not most people, you're not going to get it to look better than the original 7 does. And that's going to be a deterrent for a lot of people. The reason why they're playing it this way is because it doesn't look like PS1 graphics Final Fantasy VII. So I, I think sure. they, they could have done a little better job of, of explaining a little bit of who Sephiroth is. Because um, that's kind of what happens, right? At the end of th- this end of the section where this game ends, that next scene is like, isn't it where like Cloud pulls you into a a hotel and explains everything before you start going on the world map and all that stuff? Like, or, well, like, the first town you go to, or whatever, uh-huh. after you get in the world. Like, so, I don't know saying that they needed to add that cutscene in now, or whatever, but they they could have done something to explain 
here's what who this dude is. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I, don't I mean, know. they I, barely do that in the original game. <laughs> well, it's good to have a uh, a mystery going on that again can keep you hooked for the next game. I mean, you don't have to explain everything. We know enough about him. We know enough about his his past with Cloud and whatnot. Right. So, uh, learning more about him is a is a hook. I don't necessarily mind the whispers so much because, like, they just kind of either delay the inevitable or make sure what's supposed to happen happens, right? Like, that's their whole point. Yeah, they're arbiters of fate, which, uh, it's not a concept that I generally enjoy in fiction. Yeah, that's where I got into the whole, like, well, no more of definitely put the the Kingdom Hearts claws in here. Yeah. There's just you know, so many, so many comic stories and stuff where there is just like, oh, there is an observer race that makes sure that the things that are supposed to happen happen the way they do, or even even Discworld did that with the time monks. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm not hugely fond of that so, particular trope. Anything? Are you gonna try to play it on hard mode, or is that it for you? Or oh no, no, this is it. I might grind it out to get the characters to level fifty. Yeah, uh, and I might try and milk, milk a couple more trophies out of it, but I don't think I'm going to um, play it on hard. I thought it was plenty challenging on medium for me, because I guess I'm a wimp now. But also, hard mode just sounds uh, hard. I don't know. Yeah, it, it it sounds like something that I don't have the time or energy for at the moment. Even if there's cool stuff about it, like that there's new attacks apparently that you don't see in the regular game. You know, some of the yeah. um, big bosses behave totally differently now, apparently. So that stuff's cool, and I would like to see it, but I just don't see myself making that investment. Uh, I've got to play Sakura. Play through on hard. That's true. i got to play Sakura Wars. That's where my focus is now. Oh, you got to tell me how that is. Yeah. The, the, the funny thing about that game is that game takes... It's like a persona where it takes a very long time to get to any gameplay, which isn't just walking around a school and talking to people. So... Right, it's like uh, a visual novel the first hour and a half, right? Yeah, so even though I'm I'm a couple of hours in, I've barely done any robot fighting. So uh, I'm going to save my impressions for next time. The one thing I will say is that Koei Tanaka's music is unbelievably good uh, and a contender for best of the year for me when we get to best video game soundtracks of the year. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's going to be some contenders for that. We still haven't gotten to some of the uh, other you know, big releases. Yep. I have no words on the... Well, I mean, I've got a little bit on the gameplay, but just tutorial stuff, so I don't really have a good impression on it yet. It is weird to play it as a as an action game. I know, but we'll get to that next time. Uh, I haven't... Uh, uh, well, so, Mark, go ahead and, and talk about uh, your time with the XCOM Chimera Squad. I'm actually kind of the same way. I've only played the tutorial. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it is. you can kind of breach, like you kind of select points where you can enter like, to do missions at, and that's about the only change I've noticed. Like, I mean, you have, like, different abilities, but, yeah, more XCOM. It does seem a lot smaller in scope, though. Like, production value, like, there's no, like, cutscenes, there's all, like, animated cutscenes, and I'm like, yep. Well, definitely <laughs> makes sense why it's, like, on sale for $10 right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Is it the same assets? No, no, like, it's new map, like, well, you're playing, like, different soldiers, it's, like, a continuation of XCOM, XCOM 2, uh, okay. like, you know, new maps, new, you know, abilities, stuff like that. But I mean, so, so it's just like, what like we used to have an expansion of XCOM. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I think we talked about it. You know, it's like Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Right. 
a twenty to thirty dollar expansion that you can run on its own. Yeah, or like uh, Wolf. Uh, we were talking about last week or the last podcast, like the Wolfenstein Young Young Blood thing. Yeah, uh, Young Blood's kind of a that's m- different enough to be its own game. It doesn't play. I mean, it still plays in certain ways, like a, like a Wolfenstein, but the co op mechanics and the level design are quite different. Yeah. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, having co-op mechanics at all. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'll focus more on that uh, when I play more How of it. How far did you did you get any farther in Final Fantasy VII? Still in oh, I'm, I'm in, like, Chapter 12. I think I just hit the uh, train graveyard. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, people used to complain about the train graveyard in Final Fantasy VII. I thought this was a really yeah, spooky, really spooky I, I, sequence. I, re- I complained about it also because I thought, it, well, in the old game, it was very hard to differentiate what you could like move around or like what you could like interact with compared to like what was just background imagery. Like there was like one or two trains where it was like very obviously like you could push this train to look so much different than the other ones, but it was still kind of challenging. I thought. Yeah. I, I like how they kept most of that in there, but they also added like, you know, some few different wrinkles to it. And of course yeah. having a party uh, helps a lot because you're only cloud in the original train graveyard. So really? Okay. Oh, you haven't got... I'm sorry. I spoiled it. What? No, that's okay. Mark doesn't care about being spoiled. Yeah. The, fa- the fact that you're not uh, by yourself... Wait, no, you, you're already in the train graveyard, you said. Yeah, you have Aerith and Tifa with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the original, you just have Cloud, right? No, yeah. I thought you at least had Aerith. No, mm-hmm. I, I thought that he gets off the train and he's by himself. And then oh, that's, maybe. And he gets to the... It's been too long. Maybe not. Yeah, I, yeah, it's been too long. It, it's been fifteen or twenty years since I played that game. So, I mean, hell, you yeah. could be right. I don't. I. I don't know. <laughs> I will say, I, I love the two. I love the two bosses in the Train Graveyard for remake. Those. Those, those are really good. Yeah, the bosses and in general music, are very satisfying. Oh my god, some of the music for that uh-huh, in that uh-huh. area is awesome. Uh, but yeah. Uh, well, before we get off this track, I one thing I forgot to mention earlier. I know Mark made the joke, he's made the joke several times about, well, 2024 is when we're going to get part two, but both Nomura and Katase are also on record saying that, well, Nomura, I think more than Katase is saying that, um, there were rumors or ideas of there's it's supposed to be a trilogy, very much like the first game of having three discs, but that there's also talk of more like they don't really know what the heck the schedule is, <laughs> but that there was also talk of perhaps if they can release it in shorter chunks, the game can come out faster, or you can have the whatever the next part is faster. I mean, what is an acceptable smallish chunk? And are we talking about twenty, thirty dollars at that point? Or I have a feeling this game is going to be like Star Citizen. Well, it just never end. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> That's but there's a very actual look on it, but <laughs> <laughs> that it's uh, very unfair. What do you think, Jens? Like, what would I? I don't know. Like, I would have liked it to be a trilogy with three substantial games. It being broken up into smaller chunks. I don't know. Could be fine I as mean, well. I would want it to be all packaged up in a big thing at the end, though. I think the I like I've always said the narrative problem. Well, you know, Final Fantasy VII, the original game, like the first two discs were the important discs. The third disc didn't have shit on it except for like the ending. Like it was right. pretty much like a mere copy of disc two. Had to uh, fit those um, extra detailed character models on there and stuff. Well, I mean, you hit the, I, I think they take out a lot of the story elements of Final Fantasy or the, you know, disc two. But yeah, 
like the problem is like where like what's the what do you think is the natural stopping point for disc for like the final fantasy 7 2 hmm. like when Aerith dies it would i mean that would have to be towards the end somewhere why i mean final fantasy 7 like she dies pretty early on in the game yeah but clearly they've greatly expanded Aerith's role in the story like it's, it's like I, mean, her... I, I could definitely see where they sort of delay it you know where like they make you wait at least I definitely don't think we're gonna see it in part two. I think they definitely make it. Make I could it see late. it being the the ending to part two. Yeah, that's what I mean. As well. But also, like, so much of that game after the fact is like Cloud wanting to get revenge on Sephiroth, that you know, and sure. So, like, doesn't that kind of decrease that story impact as well? I and mean, it's fine for Cloud to be on a revenge trip for one of the game of the trilogy. Yeah. Right, yeah. I don't see how that's a problem. I mean, I mean, but, I could I mean, see you... something like Golden Saucer could be its own thing. But I mean, how much would you pay yeah, for that? The thing is, Square will make it thirty dollars when it really should be twenty. <laughs> like, I mean, there's I, no I, way I, I, that, I, that I still feel like that Kingdom Hearts thing was a ripoff, and I will not buy it. The remind three thing. hours of half of its cutscenes you've already seen, and oh wow, I got to play with Kyrie finally in a part that doesn't really matter, and then what an ending. And, it's, well, that was my that was my yeah. Joe T when you brought this up to me on Facebook was you know wait for Final Fantasy VII Part fourteen where it's the Costa del Sol expansion or something. It's like no. <laughs> yeah, I mean if like you're gonna include some of the like those like let's say uh, in I just don't know like I don't know where how you could really do that unless you're gonna you'd really ha- if you start slicing and dicing that game even more. Yeah, I think people are going to be more disappointed by the fact that you're slicing and dicing that game more than just making them wait two or three years for the next installment. Well, uh, uh, which, which I think they're when, definitely going to take less time because you got to remember that they had to completely scrap whatever they were doing from 2015 to 2017. Yeah, so the that Cyber was two Connect years version. that was wasted. Yeah, when Cyber Connect was doing it, and thank God because then it would have wound up like Dragon Ball Z Kakra. So like. I'm not saying everything Cyber Connect 2 has ever done is bad, but I mean, look at most of the stuff they've ever done. It's I can not... make that point. <laughs> Asura's <laughs> Wrath. One game out of 200 is not a great batting average. But it's and one it's of the also, greatest games of all time. It's also barely a game. <laughs> no, that is uh, absolutely wrong. Next, you'll well, be telling me that Rebel Assault is barely a game. I haven't played it. Also, it's a 30 year old Star Trek Star Wars game, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my point is, like, I don't think they're going to take five years to make the next one. It's just, like, you know. I mean, I think people are willing to wait a couple of years, but I think if we're talking about it's going to blow up, do they slice something to give something, get people uh, something, you know? Well, here, here's an interesting question. I mean, they just announced that Resident Evil 4 remake, you know, a week, week or two ago. Which do you think comes out first? Like Resident Evil 4 remake or... Final Fantasy 7 2. The way Capcom's putting that stuff out, I would say Resident Evil 4 or maybe well, in the you, same year again. You can't say that because like Resident Evil 2 and 3 were supposed to be one game. So, like, that's like, yeah, of course Resident Evil 3 came out like only a year later because it was already pretty much done or, you know, most of yeah. it was probably being finished. Like, who knows how long it will take them to actually make Resident Evil 4. Ah, but we don't really know how long they've been developing that game. They just say that. Sure, but I mean, they could say the same thing about Final Fantasy VII too. Like, they could be working on that thing for the past three years. Who knows? Well, they said what? I think like right after they revealed 
after I feel like after the E3 reveal, they said they were already working on part two. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, they didn't take when when the first game released. It's not they took a month off vacation. They're still probably chained to their desk, cranking out you know cal- the the remake version of Calm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I- I don't know. I really don't want to see them go that way because that's what I was scared of is we'd start seeing these like small DLC releases and then it'd be like almost impossible to start putting them all together and you would have people start waiting until, well, I'm just going to wait till the whole thing comes. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, you two have been playing. I played literally the first like five minutes. <laughs> I want to say the first five or ten minutes where you get in the mm-hmm. truck and you just Drive to the watchtower. That's pretty much all I did. Uh, what How, if you did you get stuck in the mud within those five minutes? Yes, I got stuck in the freaking mud, and I had to figure out how to do the all-wheel drive, which wasn't very clear. And finally, when I figured it out, I was like, "Okay, this is much easier to drive." But then, even then, it's still dry. It's like way harder to. Like, I mean, I get it. They they want this to be sort of realistic, and it it definitely so feels this... more like you're you're playing a Forza game or whatever. Than... I was trying to ask Mark the same question the other day. And maybe you, as a somebody who drives a car, I do not drive, so I don't have firsthand experience. Uh, um, but uh, I'm really curious: Do your cars also randomly swerve left and right as you're going down the street? Uh, if your car is not aligned very well, uh-huh. or you know, it, it can right. Like if you if you take your finger off the steering wheel and you don't uh, have good alignment, it can definitely. Also, but me and Sean aren't driving beat-up old trucks, you know, that are on crumbly roads or mud. I'm just <laughs> absolutely appalled I by will, the road. I will say that, like, trucks are rougher to drive, but, like, and yes, I have driven off-road in a Jeep, which is going to deal with, a, say, a pickup truck, but, like, it's definitely bumpy, and it, I will say that, like, it definitely does feel authentic to drive through that, but it's, like, to drive on the frickin', once you get to the road part, and you're and it feels like I moved the thing a little bit too much to the right and it went way too much to the right. That's where it's like, that's a little bit too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's you don't have I'm to make it that difficult to drive. Wait, wait till you hit Alaska. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just disappointed in Michigan. I wish, uh, oh my. Yeah. I, I wish that you guys had took better care of your roads. It's absolutely appalling road conditions. <laughs> See, everywhere, even in the city, every corner is, is some sort of a sinkhole. Yeah. There was, I mean, you say that, but there was a, uh, a pothole on the road I, I frequently travel on underneath a bridge that, like, if you hit it, it would have blown your tire. It was like that deep. I was like, oh, yeah, no, we have terrible potholes here as well. I had a call today. I forgot where it, where it is actually, but somebody called, I had a call I took today of somebody, uh, driving into a shopping center and their car hit a pothole and it took off. It flattened their tire and bent their rim. I was like, yeah. wow, that's terrible. <laughs> yep. All right. So maybe it's realistic. Mark definitely assures me that it's realistic. So yeah, it's a work simulator. You know, you do, you do menial I mean, the thing, things the thing, in difficult conditions. The thing is, is like most car driving isn't realistic. <laughs> so I think this game, like, you know, the fact that you're weaving all over the road, like in, old like busted ass cars is realistic <laughs> i mean when you're learning to drive it definitely feels like you're learning to drive when you first start <laughs> you have to adjust to it yeah and I mean, also i, mean, I think 
I think your problem, Jens, is also you're just accelerating all constantly. You never want to break or do it. <laughs> well, it's just such a painfully slow game that I never want to take my foot off the gas because I want to try and make it go faster. <laughs> that is the opposite way you should be playing. <laughs> the, also, the yeah, first game in this series, Mudrunner, is on Game Pass as well. If somebody wants to try it out. Well, the first one is actually a game called Spin Tires, but like... Oh. The, they had some like weird licensing issues, and then they made like made, like some developer made Mud Runner, and then they made Snow Runner. <laughs> like if you want to, like, as much as you're complaining about this game, try playing Spin Tire sometime. Like that is like way more fucked up. Wait, have I been complaining? I'm just stating facts here. Not even complaining. Stating <laughs> facts. I like how all the game, you know, the two games that are from this year that they have played co-op. Jens hates them and Mark yeah. loves them. <laughs> There's a totally objective description of the game. The question is really just whether you're into that sort of thing or not. Like and Mark seems to think that it's extremely relaxing. To I, I think Mark should just uh, you know, you know the old trope when your but parents Mark used to tell you Death Stranding. So. Yeah, this it's is the, the bizarre same thing. Same only with words, a worse story. And Mark keeps telling me about like, oh, Snowrunner feels so much better. Oh, it feels so tactile. In a way that Death Stranding didn't, and I'm just, what are you talking about? Like, Death Stranding felt way more immediate with the way that your momentum affects you, and, you know, based yeah, on the load that you're carrying on your back. randomly fall down the mountain, or, like, the character's like random... leaning to the left dude, because he's a drunken asshole. Dude, the amount of my car randomly leaning to the left in this game, it, like, if I had a, if I had a cent for every time it happened, I would already have, the game would already have paid for itself. Because... Like, that's how mud works. You get stuck in it. <laughs> <laughs> Every 10 feet. Yeah. No, again, as I said, if you're into this sort of thing, um, and I'm not, by, I, all, by all means. That's, that's the thing. You keep saying, if you're into it, what, like, I didn't play Mud Runner. I barely played Spin Tires. Well, like, I, I booted that game up for like five minutes. I'm like, nope. Yeah, but you like, you know, like dirt games. Yeah, those are racing that. games. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a racing game. <laughs> Well, it's not supposed to be. I like how Jens plays it, but... <laughs> but, like, doesn't Dirt have some, like, real car physics as well? And Forza as yeah. well? And... See, okay. the, the thing you're fighting against is the terrain. Like, that's the whole point of the game, is you conquering, you know... Yeah, you spending ten minutes trying to, you know, inch your way up this, like, waterlogged road or something like that. I just find it irritating. Feels like a job. Yeah, it I'm definitely, like, like, I was just like, oh, God, this is a slog. All right. I could go be playing yes, but then when, so many once you, games. Once you, once you complete the road or once you, you know, remove the damaged power lines of the hate, that's an actual sense of accomplishment that won't get washed away with some bullshit time rain. <laughs> well, God. at least Death Stranding will let you make the environment more friendly over time. That's kind of the point of that. And you have right? people that... help you with that. Well, well, I mean, SnowRunner will do that, too. You just have to buy a new truck, which had or... Customize your truck to, to do better. Buy new tires or buy new, you know, a better winch okay. like I did. <laughs> well, your winch does seem slightly better than mine. My, yeah, my winch helped me out. I'm a, I'll get to that eventually. The, winch the thing, is, about, the, like, the thing yeah. about the winch is, like, it is tied to your engine. So if you go sideways or you roll, your engine dies, but so does the winch. Yep. So, like, I bought a battery-powered winch so I can just use it all the time, you know, even the if worst... I roll. The worst thing so far that can happen to you is when your car just turns on its side. Yeah. So because now you I can't, can't have you real life too. You don't want your car turning on its side. Yeah, but yeah. here's here's the difference. In real life, I could theoretically climb uh, climb out of my theoretical car and set it and, and like slam it back down. 
What? Whereas what? here, no. No, I mean you could. No, or, I mean, you could, were... or you could rock it back into position by no shifting you your could, weight yeah. and so, like one thing, one mechanic I would love in SnowRunner is if the character inside your car could shift his weight around as a way of rebalancing the car when it starts to like turn to the left or right when you're on on the um you know two wheels. You wanna you wanna counterweight your car when you're on two wheels. Yeah. Just from and I mean, I'm saying this based on movie understanding. I've watched enough movies where people drive it's cars. Like that, it's like that Simpsons episode that when he's driving the snowplow and he counters the weight by turning the radio dial to the opposite direction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's if this was the Mr. Plow game. That's actually yeah. kind of how Oh, that's one of my I, favorite episodes of the Simpsons, Mr. Plow. That's how well, I sold it to myself when Mark asked that I play well, this with him. Wait till you wait till you hit Alaska. So Yeah. So, here are my th- here are my three problems with it. I know Jens has three thousand. I only have like three big ones. Uh the winch system, like the way you like pick whatever point you want on your car, and then what pick whatever point you want in the environment feels like it's from the the, the PC version. Like you know, you want it, like a mouse to do that, and they kind of smack it to the control stick, but not yeah. well. The little dots that are placed in the environment at the point where the winch is going to either uh, originate or or hook up Climb to. Onto. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like, you like the, the dot gets like highlighted a little by like this like little ring. But like if there's like twenty dots around you, it's like I don't know where this dot is, first of all. Yeah. It's so, very obviously meant to be a thing where you use where you like click ho- click and hold the mouse to rotate three hundred and sixty degrees and then click on the uh winch points you want to use. Yeah. That's very obviously what it's supposed to be. But because that is not possible on a console, you just have to kind of cycle through those dots with your D-pad. It's a bit yeah. cumbersome. Yeah, I just pressed the button and then it ran, and then I was like, "Oh, it it did it, it yeah. like so that's like itself on the pole." Time. Okay, there I had is no like idea it was over button. there. Yeah, yep. there's a, a a pretty decent auto winch button, but still, like sometimes yeah. you want more granular control, but it's not done well. Funny, we just found out about the auto winch today. Yeah, not using uh, it. We were playing. The second problem me and Yen's kind of ran into is like you will set it to like do a certain mission or a certain task and sometimes the game just kind of loses track of it or is like forcing you like it like goes back to like an earlier mission like that you like selected off from so it's like i want to do this one mission where i have to like just like take this trailer to this you know farm but like halfway through it'll just like lose it lose track of it and then go to like a different mission and it's like no i still have this mission this Go back to it. So the interface is obtuse enough that I don't know if this was a case of like accidentally accepting another mission while you were happened to be driving over, um, you know, one of those objective markers, I or mean, if it's genuinely the game just losing track of what quest line we were I, in. I think it's the game losing track because I, I had those issues also when I was playing like earlier today, and I wasn't selecting new missions. It's like, no, I want to, I want to do this one mission where I have to rebuild this bridge, but it kept selecting this other. Mission I'd, I'd selected earlier called like King of the Hill or something, but it's like, no, I will do that later. I want to rebuild this bridge first. I can actually get to this mission. Like, keep, stop forcing me to do this one mission because I, I can't do it right now. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> and the third thing I've run into is like, the game is a little unstable. Like, I, I had it crash on me twice in like the, fir- like the first few hours I was playing it. And it's like, yeesh. <laughs> like, yeah, but we have another crash yet playing together. Yeah, I was going to say, it like, hasn't done that since, but. That didn't like leave me with a great feeling. Like the game also saves really often, so I didn't like lose any like yeah, a ton of progress. I, will, I do appreciate that. It does save a lot. But I'm sure like, it'll get patched over the next few months. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be fine. And yeah, I would and, say all three of us are playing on PS4. Right. 
You should join us for a for a three for a session where we split the work. That's like the best thing about playing co-op is that you can split these missions up and have oh, nice. people go to opposite ends of the map and like, okay, you get the lumber, I get the iron. Yeah, me, me, and, me and Jens did a uh, like this farm needed bricks, uh, lumber, and I think like concrete or metal rods. So Jens got the metal rods and, and lumber because they were close together, and I got the bricks. And yeah, it was fine. Yeah, and uh, you can also be efficient that way in dealing with the uh, navigation towers. So like uh, yes. we wanted to clear up a bunch of the map, you know, open up those uh, dark areas. So uh, we each like split up like, okay, I'll take the towers on this side of the map. You'll take the towers on that side of the map. You can also, uh, in, you have to select it as an option, but you can also uh, winch yourself to other players, which is really useful. Yeah, it's Sounds extremely useful, useful when, when you get stuck in. I wanted to do that earlier because uh, Mark was really uh, stuck, though he did overcome that situation. I watched yeah. some of Mark's gameplay earlier. And uh, I really wanted to jump in and just like, hey, just let me come in with my truck and I'll pull you out. Which he he joined me in my game that way, but I guess he was set up private. No, it's like the game takes. I think it takes your like if you have any extra trucks, you can take them into like the other like the other players' world. But I can't like it doesn't like duplicate your trucks per se. So if you like tried to hop into my world, it would just let you, let you play as like the two trucks that you already have. Like, well, that would be fine. I mean, I just wanted to come get you. Yeah. But uh, uh, the game would, I don't know, you were in the wrong mode or something. Yeah. Some of the getting into the online, we've only done it once now, and it was a little confusing the first time. So I don't know, maybe we'll get used to it. Yeah. I mean, I think the game also has, I, like, the tutorial is okay, but I wish it was a tad more production value. Like, I, I couldn't figure out how to invite you, but I just made a, public, uh, um, a, a private session that you eventually just joined me of your own accord. Yeah. Like I want to have like Matthew McConaughey narrating to you about how to how to drive a truck. <laughs> oh, that'd be something, I guess. Uh, since I mentioned those towers, Mark, did you talk about uh, uh, if you did, it passed me by. I know you thought it was very amusing that this had Ubisoft style. Yeah, like you like there are little like like radio towers or like yeah, yeah like you drive towers. up to yeah, and it, like you hit you activate it and then it just it just plays everything around you. And I was like, yep, yep. Like that's the first thing I want you to do. The first, the, the first thing you do in the game is like it wants you to go to Westhouse so you can see stuff and then you can go on with the mission. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched a, a video of a guy explaining some tips earlier, and he said like one of the things you do is when you hit a new map, explore every tower or unlock every tower first, then unlock every upgrade part, uh, and then rebuild every bridge or like get you know get every hazard off the road first. Uh-huh. And then actually start playing the game. Fun. Yep. Yeah. Indeed, it is fun. fun mostly. It's just hard. if you if you can't if you can't accept they're good games like this. <laughs> I'm not saying okay. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm See, saying like I, I find like what's a game that you can relax in? Let me ask you that. I don't know. I was I was finding Sakura Wars pretty relaxing for the little bit I played of it. Yeah, but that's because you want to hump everyone. <laughs> it is a good waifu provider. I, I won't lie. Like there are, like I think, like Final Fantasy is like a game. Like that's a pretty action-oriented game. Uh huh. You don't really relax during it unless you're doing like. No, when I when I relax, man, I'll watch a movie. Yeah, I mean, there... if I, if it's not if I'm not trying to do something interactive or like a uh, a game that has lengthy movie parts, like say a Yakuza game. In Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, I guess, I mean, but Animal Crossing to me is too stressful to relax in. I mean, 
that's all SnowRunner is. It's long, relaxing carts. I mean, it's a, it's a plain interactive version it, of uh, Convoy. It, well, well, but the question is, is it is it relaxing to be like struggling up a hill for 15 minutes being stuck in place? Yep. It's not relaxing to me. I guess. You just need more alcohol. That's, that's That'll cure it. <laughs> sure. Again, it just feels like something maybe you should just do it as a job, again, to sound like your mom. I mean, I would, but I'd start hitting cards left and right. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you can't just re- hit the reclaim button and have your cars be sent back to the garage and repaired for free. Yeah, I mean, as much as like the terrain is like very, I think it's like, very realistic in a sense, like some of the systems around the game are like really weird. Like, yeah, you can just like teleport to every car in the in like the world map that you own, or you can yeah. just teleport like back to your home base. I don't know how else they would solve that though. Yeah, that's a difficult problem to solve when you can't have a character that cannot leave the car. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else? You'll there'll be plenty of yeah, well, yeah, you'll be getting more Snowrunner upgrades over the next weeks since we'll continue to play the Snowrunner. Yeah. All right. I mean, I bought. How about the special edition of that game? <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. I just don't understand that you gave up on Death Stranding so quickly, but this game you're all about. Because I, I think the mistakes you make in this game are because of your fault. The mistakes that happen in Death Stranding are not your fault. It's just a game fucking with you. I'll admit that there's a certain level of the game fucking with you, but um, most of the things that do go wrong are your personal fuck-ups. I feel I, mean, I feel this is much more like there are times in SnowRunner, and again, you know, we've only played it for a couple of hours, but this already has happened several times where you know I will just get completely stuck somewhere, and I feel like there was no way to avoid this. There was no way to go around this, or well, I mean, uh, it in a I safe think, way. Like I think like that's why you uh, that's why you unpack un, uh, that's why you fix the roads. Because I think a lot of that game is pretty drivable, or you know, you can well, like. I mean, you can say the same for Death Stranding, right? You fix the. You... That, that's the whole yeah, way. Yeah, the stuff goes away after a certain point. <laughs> so can you can you properly fix the roads in yeah. the like, there was there's so that bridge I was trying to trying to fix earlier today, there was like one very short road to get up to it and like one really long road. Mm-hmm. The short road had a uh, hazard of like fallen power lines. So I actually had to clear that up, which I actually just did like right before it started. So now that short road is clear, so now I can actually get up to that bridge easier and fix that. Okay. On like paved roads. That sounds so like, yeah. I don't get stuck in the mud now, or I don't, you know, if it, going on that one really long path is like, nope, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind right. of like Far Cry. It's kind of like Far Cry in that sense, I guess. So, like what your what your friend said that uh, basically you want to first fix the environment up all nice and then do the delivery missions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or get okay. get the watchtower, get the get the upgrade parts, and then fix the town, and yeah. do the do the missions. Well, you, you'll know what we're doing for the next few months. Yep. Uh, so, unlike last week that had a bunch of games people were kind of waiting on, like SnowRunner and Gears Tactics. What are you talking about, man? The, next, the, the, game, the game coming out next month, next week is what everyone wants. What is that, Mark? Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl. Oh. Yeah. Is, this a, is this like a Final Fight type side-scrolling yep. thing? The genre that Mark is not a big fan of? Well, no, I mean, I just don't think the game, that genre does well in today's world, but I guess Street well, Street, Street, Street 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 4 well. is, is pretty great, so. Yeah. Uh, That's what I hear. I, I, I have my suspicions, though, that 
a James Bond byproduct made in 2020 is not going to do great. Yeah. It's called yeah. a hunch, based on Kevin Smith's past output for the past 15 years. How involved is Kevin Smith with this, really? Uh, I think he wrote it, and I think he did voice acting. Okay, well, I mean, you do want him as a voice actor, obviously. And so. the company, the company that made it, uh, might be his, or at least I mean, they have the worst name ever because they're called Inter. Interbang Entertainment. I'm just glad. How would you pull off? How would you pull off Silent Bob without Kevin Smith voice acting? It's impossible. He could. He could be silent. That's the joke. <laughs> I mean, he'll. I mean, he'll just be like doing grunting, or you know. Anyway, uh, the Street same guys also comes. Forza Street also comes to your phone. So if you don't get Forza on a console, you can now have Forza on your phone, and it'll probably still race better than. Or, or play better driving wise and so on. And, uh, you know, you got Arcade uh, Spirits, which just came out today, along with Gun Crazy. And, yeah. I mean, there's, again, I'm not, we're not talking about just the bangers here or anything, but, uh, Void Bastards finally comes to Switch and PS4. That's actually a pretty good game. People should, uh, try out. It's still on Xbox Game Pass as well, if you have not played it yet. And a game that I remember playing a long time ago on Steam, I guess has a, some kind of sequel or uh different it feels like an octopath traveler type uh version a uh, celestian tales realms beyond which is an rp3 rpg that now is like you play as six different characters in different times that's cool and all. but all right uh let's get into our topic this podcast has gone a lot longer than i thought it would uh the our best assassin's creed game i don't know that how much i'm going to participate in but mark is your one of your big... I, I played all the big ones, or all the, like, console ones. I've not played any, like, the... Ha- I played... I did play Liberation, I think, on... When it came to console, but I didn't play on PSP. Did you play the PS3 release of that? No, I mean, it came to... Uh, con- it came to, like, PS4 and... Okay. It came to it's PC been on and stuff. PS Plus, I think, once. Yeah, it's called, like, Liberation HD or something. Yeah. And it's part... Of, it's on PS4 now. It's, like, part of Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. Uh, So I played them all. Except... I. The only one I haven't played is Assassin's Creed 1. Which, I mean, it's not the best one. No, it's, I did not. I mean, I tried to go back after, to play it after I played AC2, and I was like, I got like an hour in, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so what do you think, Mark? What would, it, what would be your top five Assassin's Creed games? Uh, I I'm would say... I'm assuming Odyssey and Origins are not in uh, that. Uh, I mean, Odyssey might be. That might be number five. It's okay. Uh... I would say my top one is probably Brotherhood. Uh, yeah. I, I still think like that had the best city of Rome was just like really interesting, like Explorer. I think it had like the best like gameplay dynamics. And I thought like SEO like is a good fleshing out of his character. That's number one. Number two is Black Flag. Uh, I would say number three is Syndicate. Yeah. Number three is Syndicate, the uh, Victorian England one. I feel like no uh, one talks about that. Okay. That's the last one I played. Really quite enjoyed it, actually. But uh, yeah, it had some know, like weird. That was a like, different that, team. That's another game that had like the the same female male switching, but no one cared about that then. <laughs> well, they weren't identical either. They were brother and sister. Yeah, and also like I think there was like one or two gameplay changes between the two. Like, very yes, slight. they had slightly different mechanics. A slightly different like one skill was different. Yeah, and then there is a point in the game where you have to switch characters. Right. So you still get to play both within one playthrough. Right. 
Um, but what attracted me to it was it was the Saints Row 3 lead designer. And I was a big uh, Saints Row 3 fan. I still am, obviously. And especially like the uh, um, kind of area control aspect of that game was very Saints Row. And I thought very good. Like I actually 100%ed the, the map in Syndicate. You mean, all, you mean all the gang crap? Yeah, the gang crap. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I would say number four, mm. I might say Assassin's Creed Rogue. That was a pretty cool game. Oh. Isn't that like, uh, just more Black Flag? Yeah, well, yes. I mean, the gameplay mechanics are very similar, but I really like the story of this guy growing like disillusioned with the Assassins, like the Brotherhood, and like becoming a Templar, and then just like fucking with the Assassins, like the Brotherhood. Uh, and I guess five, I'd say Odyssey, or I mean Odyssey, or, or not, uh, yeah, Odyssey, and like two is fine, but two is like on the threshold now of being like a little hard to get into at this point. <laughs> no love for unity. Huh? No, <laughs> I actually ha- had an argument with someone about that. She's like the biggest Assassin's Creed fan girl online. And she was like, Oh, it's so-, like, she works at Ubisoft as like an Assassin's oh, okay. Creed, well, like influencer or something. And she said like yesterday, she was like, at some point I should play Assassin's Creed rogue. And I was like, you didn't play it. And she was like, no, I played unity. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh, I mean, this one was that was the big one, you know. Yeah, there was the A was game, one, and then the other I mean, one was the B game. Sometimes the B game Unity was the Assassin's Creed game when the the next gen console, the the current gen yeah. consoles yeah. came out. You know, so. sometimes the B project turns up better than the A project, right? You know, so but Unity at least had very, very, very pretty environments and really good crowd. Um, I mean, they, that's all it had though. Like the gameplay well, yeah. was broken because like ranged enemies could like take you out in like one shot and uh like that's that game had such icon overbloat because of all the chests you could pick up oh yeah the map the... looked insane yeah it's like holy shit like it was like freaking me out <laughs> such pretty chairs such lovely drawing rooms the carpeting the wall also, unity also had the worst. i think unity also had the worst story of an assassin's creed game oh i'm still pissed oh. about assassin's creed 3 because yeah, American Revolutionary War times is like one of my favorite times in history uh, to go back and like you know read about and all that. And yeah. it's like it's just frustrating that that's like one of the worst games. I mean, I think three gets unfairly maligned. Like it, it, it had problems, but at its core, I think it's still fine. That's disappointing for how it completely shits the bed with the Desmond story and basically yeah. ruins the series. And then it doesn't have the ver- gameplay wise. My biggest problem with it is it doesn't have the verticality of Assassin's Creed, so it doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed really. The uh, stealth stuff is severely poor. That, that they didn't fix that in any other ones either. No, uh, Syndicate kind of has that, I guess. But Syndicate is a return to uh, normalcy a little bit, um, yeah. even though it was still in many ways systemically so quite different. That's, that's a question. Is like the Vikings aren't in Valhalla. It's not like there are kind of big Viking buildings. Like, what are you going to be climbing? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you're really just conquering because they don't really stay in one place that long. Yeah. That's, they're, they're nomadic, so... Right. But then the, the third disappointing thing to me about Assassin's Creed 3 is that they really didn't do a good job of conveying the big uh, historical set pieces. Oh, no. Like, you were, you were always I... on the outskirts of them. You barely saw any of it. And when there was a big battle, your involvement in the big battle would amount to walk behind this row of soldiers and press a button to tell them to fire. Or like you sneak onto the uh, ship and throw the tea, you know, th- throw the tea in the uh, water. Okay, that that is actually one of the best missions. 
I mean, I know it's annoying having to like get to the ship. There's that whole thing where you have to like walk through the harbor, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that the mission? Yeah. So that part obviously sucks, but at least it's like a mission that feels significant and feels like it ties into the story in a major way and That's into what history. That's me the way. most too is that you don't really get a lot of the big historical parts like you do in some of the other games. So it's just like, yeah. this is what I'm playing this game for and I don't get that. Ugh. You know? Though you do uh, get um, Benjamin Franklin's theory that women age from the bottom up. So That's accurate. There's that. <laughs> so what about you guys? What are your lists? Uh, I I haven't made a list, but I can just go off the top of my head because it's fairly easy. Yeah. So you've got, obviously, Assassin's Creed 2 at the top. Still the best Assassin's Creed game. When the series really got good. Uh, when they introduced most of the systems that we all know and love, and or at least, well, didn't introduce all of them, but fleshed them out to a point where they all worked really well. Uh, big, expansive world, really impressive visually for the time, yada, yada, yada. Uh, best Assassin's Creed game uh, still to me. Of course, you could say that Brotherhood is even better, but Brotherhood to me is just a slight evolution of two. Still, Brotherhood is my second best. So, um, you know, those two games, they're very close together um, in my heart. In fact, they probably even run together in my head. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I played them within a year of each other, and they tell a continuous story. And the one basically is the other with a couple more systems and refinements and uh, quality of life changes, but maybe a slightly weaker story. But, you know, they're very close together in quality. I still think I like two best, but those are my top two. And then after that, it becomes wishy washy, where I might say Black Flag at number three and Syndicate at number four. That's fine. Right. Yeah. And num- number five, probably the original Assassin's Creed, even though it was a big disappointment to me at the time. But yeah, I, I just I'm finding it hard to think of other Assassin's Creed games that I would want to put on this list. I definitely don't want to put three into any top five. Haven't played Odyssey or the one that came before Odyssey. Origins, Origins. thank you. Yeah. So you know, I did play Liberation, but Liberation, again, is not anywhere near this thing. And Liberation was impressive as a Vita game. I played it on the Vita. Right. See, I, I played it on the console, and, like, mm-hmm. it just played, like, an Assassin's Creed game, only you have, like, different dresses. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, the Vita version is very different, though. Like, it, like the, the console version, like, they basically modernized it, or they mm-hmm. made it basically play, like, Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, the Vita version has its issues. Uh, I also just don't like the mission design very much, but it's incredibly impressive from a technical standpoint on the fact that they were able to do it. Well, incredibly impressive, maybe overstating it. But, you know, at the time I was like, this is very neat. More so than I think with Uncharted, which just felt felt like, you know, the budget like TV version of Uncharted. When you're, like, having to, like, scratch the back of the Vita to, <laughs> to unload. To see well, it's like, it's like once you get to the later Columbus, like once you get to... um the like 80s Columbo episodes and you're going to be like this show is a shell of its former self just like Doctor Who well Doctor Who is uh, is not that it's a shell of its former self it's that it's totally different than its former self used to so, be good not bad I agree it's a little different um, I think whether you think it's good or bad depends on your perspective yeah. on, your pr- yeah. on, your pr- on your predilections uh, <laughs> but uh, I- I'll admit that I did not like uh, when they when they got rid of Murray Gold because Mary Gold to me was the heart and soul of the show. <laughs> How well? Uh, well, I've said it a number of times. Yeah. My number one is the Black Flag. It's the one that I spent the most time in. Um, I love the naval combat. I love being able to go to the settlements, do stuff. Um, 
So that's that's my favorite of all of them. I think it's the best one. I agree with all you guys. Their Brotherhood is probably right there, number two. Uh, it's probably the best version of that Assassin's Creed gameplay. The classic like, formula. Yeah, the classic formula that people like fell in love with. I also, in my games, I, I didn't play. Um, I haven't played Origins or Odyssey to be able to give an opinion on those. Um, I mean, like, yeah. I think Odyssey is a better game than Origins, at least for, right. take it for what that's worth. I think most people would say that as well. Um, it, it, I think I'll uh, agree with you guys that Syndicate is number three uh, right there. Uh, Syndicate, yeah. Syndicate is a tad weird because like they flirted a little with introducing the RPG mechanics in that game. Like Enemies have levels in that game, if I remember correctly. Yes, you remember correctly. So like it's not like full-on like Odyssey or, or Origins where like if this enemy is high level, then you, you can't one-shot kill, one kill them with the hidden blade. You still can do that in Syndicate, at least. But Syndicate had, like, oh, like, this guy, if you just want like, hit, get in combat with him, he might kill you because he's, like, five levels higher than you. I felt like Syndicate was just the right level of RPG elements, though. Yeah. I would say that. Like, it's I mean, light I, sprinkling. I just like it. I just like the, like, the action or stealth of the earlier games better, like Brotherhood or even, like, Black Flag. Like, you had, like, upgrade mechanics, but it's all just like, hey, I just want better gear. Like, you know, if you really wanted it, you could run through that game with like, the, the basic sword. It'd be hard, but you could do it. But like in, or- in Odyssey and Origins, you, do- you literally cannot do that. Right. So I have Your a, gear I have has care- to be on the same level as whatever yeah, you're Yeah, you have like a gear score. And I'm like, what? Why don't I just have the hidden blade? Like, <laughs> Yeah. That, that's and, kind and, of think why I'm like, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, like, Origins and Odyssey also, you can get like Weapons that are constantly on fire or like poison enemies. And I think that is weird. Like, but go know. on, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it no, seems I... like it's just trying to be a full-on loot game. Yeah, it's like Destiny. Yeah, that too. But it's like this. This I don't want that. I I could play those games. I don't want that in this game. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, after that, I'm kind of like Yens. I don't have a particular like strong feeling. I feel like I want to put. Li- I have played uh, some of Liberations and I did enjoy it. Uh, I'm like Mark though. I played the console version yeah. of Catavita. Um, so I can. I'll put that in number five. And I think uh, just for the time that I enjoyed going back and playing Assassin's Creed 2, I'll put that in number four. And there you go. There's my. Yeah. No, none of us put Assassin's Creed Chronicles down. <laughs> nope. Then play it. Oh, those things? Yeah. I like them for what they are, but they're not. Again, it's just like they're not Assassin's Creed. They're just right. They're two D platformers. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, if anything you've uh, heard about me in this this year, I enjoy my my two D platformer, but it's not an Assassin's Creed game. You're just in a cloak platforming. Cool. But yeah, that's yep. uh, what are your top Assassin's Creed games? You can let us know at network at gmail dot com. Or hit us up on Twitter at HumanityPlague at Aperture Silence at WTMSean at WTNetwork for the whole thing. Check out the WTNet.com. Mark's uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons review should be live by the time you're listening to this. And yeah, I think uh, that's about it. I gotta get my reviews going. I'm way behind <laughs> what I have to be writing, but yeah. We need to get at least one three player game together in uh, SnowRunner. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, until the next time, which is Tuesday morning, we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Later.